Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Addiction Treatments That Work. I'm your host, Kenneth Anderson, and tonight our topic is stigma, and particularly the stigmatization of drug users and people who use alcohol and mind-altering substances. And our guest tonight will be Alan Clear from the Harm Reduction Coalition, Alan Frimpong, also from the Harm Reduction Coalition, and Shiloh Jama of the People's Harm Reduction Alliance. Before we start the show, I'm going to do a little blurb for our website and our book and our organization. Our website is handsnetwork.org. We are a free-of-charge lay-led support group for people who want to make any positive change in their drinking habits, from reduced drinking to safer drinking to quitting altogether. And our book is called How to Change Your Drinking, A Harm Reduction Guide to Alcohol. It's available from Amazon. For more information, go to handsnetwork.org slash book. Our first guest, uh, Alan Clear, has uh, called in already. We're waiting for our other two guests to call in, but we can start right away talking about stigma as related to drug users and people who uh, use mind-altering substances. Um, good evening, Alan. How are you doing this evening? I'm good. How are you doing, Ken? I'm doing very well. Uh, what do you think? Are, what do you think is the reason that drug users are so stigmatized? Uh, today in the United States and around the world? Um, I think there's there's a bunch of reasons, but, you know, we do have a 40-year-old war on drugs, which is actually a big operation um, in stigma. You know, I'm putting stigma on a bunch of people um, who are, you know, using drugs or uh, struggling with their drug use, which before that time, yeah, certainly there was, a certain amount of stigma on drug use, but it's certainly a lot worse over the last 40 years because you've got these layers of stigma now that um, are being put on people, such as incarceration or, um, you know, HIV or hepatitis C. You know, we have drug users as disease carriers. That's all very stigmatizing. And, and it's quite deliberate, you know, the attempt to, um, well, successful attempt to stigmatize drug users. Um, in the in the desire to make it look undesirable to to people to do it. Well, it seems like uh, throughout history we always see uh, one group of people, uh, particularly people in power, that are stigmatizing some minority group. And in the past, I mean, we've seen stigmatization based on race, ethnicity, uh, sexual orientation. I know religion, religion, many things. Um, we seem to be more accepting of some things like race and sexual orientation recently in the U.S. Do you think that the stigma for drug users has grown as other people have become more accepted? Um, I don't know that there's a cause and effect that as, let's say, uh, homosexuality becomes more acceptable, that drug use, stigma applied to drug users goes up. But I do think, uh, as I was saying, I think that it's been very deliberate to... Um, stigmatized drug use and, and it's certainly well, one of the drug users are one of the few classes of people that it's okay to stigmatize now I mean, you certainly wouldn't stigmatize Jews in the same way or uh, you know homosexuality is certainly stigmatized but uh, race stigmatizing people around uh, you know their race from ethnicity just is not acceptable anymore but it's still acceptable to stigmatize drug users and portray them as uh, weak, sick, criminal, deviant. 
Do you think words like addict, addict, or alcoholic are they? Could they be considered a form of hate speech? Um, I think perhaps, and sometimes when the when it's applied in a certain way, perhaps. Um, but then you you know you have some you have self help groups like Alcoholics Anonymous where people self identify as alcoholics. So I'm not. Sh- um, I think. You know, I think you could certainly apply uh, the term hate speech to certain um, the way we talk about drug users sometimes as junkies or filthy, dirty, uh, you know, scummy addicts. I think it's the sort of the way it's used because you, you certainly have uh, very well-intentioned, caring drug treatment professionals who will call people with a drug dependence addicts that they're trying to help. So I think it depends on how it's said and who's saying it at certain times as well. Well, I certainly see these words as carrying a lot of cultural baggage with them. I mean, we hear people say things like, oh, he's an alcoholic and all alcoholics are pathological liars. He's an addict. All addicts will steal. And that's not necessarily true. Oh, no, absolutely not. I mean, you, you see it with, you know, um, medical in medical situations where, you know, Drug users, pe- uh, people with alcohol problems are mistreated for whatever they've gone in for because they have been classed as people who use drugs uh, or they're on methadone, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, a, a methadone patient is certainly someone who experiences a lot of stigma. People with history of drug use, you know, in the, in the medical system are highly stigmatized, um, you know, and mistreated. Well, absolutely, but methadone for most people, I mean, it reduces their use of street drugs. In some cases, it stops it completely. It really is a very helpful medication from all the evidence we see, but, you know, people say, well, he's on methadone. He's not really clean. He's still an addict. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, it's, and I think that, um, you know, it's, we don't say that for other diseases or the other for other medications that people are maintained on. And the obvious example, of course, is diabetes and insulin. Uh, we, we don't describe, you know, people on insulin as, uh, you know, insulin dependent, uh, or that yeah. they're somehow corrupt because they eat sweet foods and, you know, they don't stick to their diets. They're not stigmatizing in the same way as drug users are, not at all. What do you think are some of the negative consequences of stigmatizing drug users or alcohol users? Well, I think that um, certainly, uh, as I was just saying, like lack of access to services uh, as a result of stigma. So people looking for good medical care are stigmatized. People, um, you know, and I'm kind of conflating in some way stigma and uh, legal situations here too, but People are denied education if they have uh, drug convictions or they're denied housing, they can't work. Um, There's also a lot of internalized stigma, too. The way people feel about themselves is really a problem for them to, um, you know, have a, a joyful and productive life. When you are told you are worthless over and over again because because of your... You know, your drug problems, perhaps, then then you sort of internalize that, and you you don't live up to your own expectations that 
that your failings, if you have them, are very extreme. And that's a result of stigma. And it's very hard to, when, when someone is classed and stigmatized in such a way, it's just very hard to, to move beyond that sometimes. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I think it, it affects the way you hold yourself. It affects the way you interrelate with people. You know, you're always worried about what they're thinking and, you know, are they thinking of you in the same way as, uh, you know, other people do? Uh, and it's just such a, a head trip. And, you know, we, meet, we need to move to a, a, a society where we can, you know, um, look at drug use uh, much more rationally and not push people into corners where they're, you know, they're, they're, they're looked upon as weaker, sicker, more deviant people. That's true. I mean, there are many ways that a person can alter their consciousness. I mean, drug use is one way, but uh, people can also alter their consciousness through prayer, meditation. They can spin around until they get dizzy and fall down. Uh, but, you know, we don't stigmatize these other ways of altering our consciousness, but this one way by using a substance is stigmatized. Yeah, absolutely. And it's actually, you know, the, in, within religious practices and spiritual practices, of course, there, there are um, ingestion of substances, and there always has been, even, even in Christian religion, you know. Mm-hmm. Wine and alcohol is used as uh, a sacrament. So there's a, there's a strong correlation between spirituality and drug use. And I think that that's what you're sort of getting at there is, I mean, it's, you know, it's not um, most forms of changing your consciousness are not illegal. However, the use of uh, most drugs in this country, uh, well, I mean, the use of, obviously the use of illicit drugs is not legal. So um, that becomes a, you know, that, that's what, you know, enhances the stigma. You know, you've chosen to go beyond the bounds of the law um, to alter your consciousness. Well, as you were saying before, I mean, I think stigma can uh, create self-hatred in people, and it makes it uh, difficult for them to make positive changes or engage in good relationships with other people or with society if there's if they start stigmatizing themselves. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think it just it's one of those things that just reinforces itself over and over. Are you are you a bad parent because you use drugs? You know, you you everyone makes mistakes, but sometimes people make mistakes, and because they you know they've they've internalized the stigma. Um, that, that the sense of shame sort of sets them in this hopeless spiral, uh, where it's it's every single thing that they do wrong is enlarged and exaggerated, uh, both from their perspective as internalized stigma, but also from people watching everything they do, waiting for them to make another mistake, waiting waiting for them to go too far. You know, it's um, it's a it's a very um, you know, it's, it's a very powerful thing, is stigma. And that's why we use it. I mean, doesn't it come from stigmata? Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Or is it the other way around? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not sure offhand. Um, well, what are some ways that we can address stigma to make things better? Well, I think, I mean, the people that um, that we work with primarily, and uh, the people that Shiloh at the People's Harm Reduction Alliance work with, you know, are very often street-based drug users. 
that um, are very socially marginalized outside of most services and, and uh, not actually connected to the helping community. And one of the ways we can address stigma is by, is by creating that space that's a little bit safer for them, that they're not necessarily stuck in the street-based environment where, um, you know, they're constantly on the lookout. So the safe space that we create through our harm reduction programs becomes a, a space where they can begin to uh, unwind a little bit. You know, the, the massive secret of being a drug user or being a drug injector uh, is is gone because that that's, we know that. I mean, most of the people that come into the program, that's what they do. So once you once you do that, and, one, and, and you're in that environment, and you know it is a helping and healthy and positive environment. Um, people there are not, you know, the people that work there or volunteer there, and and a lot of the volunteers at these programs have uh, extensive histories of drug use or are current drug users. Um, they're not there for they're, they're there to help. They're not there to take anything per se, you know. And that's a very different thing when you're suspicious of what you have to do to survive in the street. Uh, I mean, and the people around you. You know, a harm reduction environment is a very positive um, place to be. So it, it gives people that kind of time and space to begin to reflect upon how they can actually live a more positive uh, life. It gives people a little opportunity to be a little bit more conscious around the way they use their drugs, to have conversations with people about the way they use the drugs, the way they live, or you know, the way their relationship is going. And that, you know, begins to, it's a power, that's a, you know, we talk about, I talk about stigma as being a very powerful thing. The anti-stigma environment is also incredibly powerful and you see these incredible changes that people can go through given that opportunity you know when they have that then step outside of the stigmatized environment and the stigmatized self and they're able to to make amazing change you know so creating that safe space is um you know a destigmatizing thing i think being non-judgmental too you know it's you know, as I say, a lot of the people that are working work in harm reduction have been, you know, been drug users or are drug users and don't need to have, you know, it's accepting. You know, we might want people to live different kinds of lives, but that's the choice of the person that's in front of us. They're the ones that make the change. We're just the, uh, we're there to help in, in most cases. So when you when you're not judging someone for who they are as a drug user, that's the stigmatizing but there's these layers beneath the drug use too the fact that someone may well and you see this a lot especially amongst female drug users they've had extensive histories of childhood sexual abuse sexual violence trauma domestic violence um, and you know incredible amount of that too within the uh, male drug using community and, and we know that those things aren't again they're for most of the world, that's a shameful secret that they, they hold close to them. Uh, within a harm reduction environment, that's not really much of a secret. It's not really much of a surprise to find that out about anyone. And most likely, you're going to be talking to someone who has that same experience. Um, I think you could say the same thing about disease carriers, too, because that's, you know, that's one of the ways that 
people are stigmatized. They're stigmatized as disease carriers. We saw that a lot around HIV, you know, gay men as the people that, you know, uh, affect you, infect you with HIV and kill you. And it's the same with drug users, you know. They're disease carriers, HIV and hepatitis C. Well, again, you know, when you're, when you're in a, an environment, a harm reduction environment, and you're working with people who get what you're going through, you're not a disease carrier. Um, that, again, gets lifted. And, and there's, you experience this opportunity to begin to change uh, your relationship to, you know, HIV or hepatitis C and get medical help, medical care, and get integrated into a system. So, um, you know, that by creating this, that having that non-judgmental and, and experience with uh, drug use, it, it's a way of destigmatizing the people that we work with. Well, I know when I volunteered in Needle Exchange, I've witnessed that over and over again, that people would come in and they would say, thank you for being here because this is a place where I can be myself, I can talk, I can be honest, and I don't have to, you know, pretend to be something else and I don't have to be judged. This is a place, you know, that I can just be and just talk. Yeah, and and that's incredibly important, I think, just to be. You know, we talk about that um you know, we talk about changing consciousness. You know, as someone who's, you know, you're meditating, you just want to be in the present. Well, for a lot of people, you know, who, uh, you know, basically face or struggling, they don't often get that opportunity just to be, just to relax and to have fun, you know, let their cards down. And, you know, I say they have fun, actually. It's, I, I don't do direct services anymore, but I worked and ran an Eagle Exchange for a number of years. And there was a, a lot, it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, I, I found that a lot of drug users, not to, not to make them more exceptional than anyone else, but they certainly had, uh, extreme senses of humor, very funny and, uh, you know, like to laugh a lot. And, you know, we were able to bring that out. Do you think that stigma makes it more difficult for people to make positive changes? Oh, absolutely. I just think it's, it's, yeah, because you, you end up self-limiting, you know? It's, uh, it's, you know, will you be get, able to get through college? Can I go back to school? Well, I don't know. You know, it's, um, it's, I just don't think I'll make it. I have too much, uh, you know, I have too much in the way. I have too much to deal with. And, and people, that's a, that internalized stigma, uh, because people have been told that. Um, and I, I think what we, we tend to do, too, is we take, you know, the tips of the iceberg, perhaps, and make that the general rule, that all drug users are, you know, you know uh, fund their habits through criminal acts, you know, or the, the, what we see, and this is more stigma, too, is you see drug users in the media when they're, they're caught, you know, when you see them in the paper being uh, arrested by the cops. You know, these are all, all going into drug treatment, you know. You know Robert Downey Jr. or Nick Nolte or someone with those mug shots. When they look their worst, you know. And and that's, that you don't see normal functioning drug users in the newspaper. Uh, you know, the, I guess the classic thing is Winston Churchill, which most 
most people would label him an alcoholic, and yet he, you know, steered the British to beat the Germans in the Second World War. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another thing I noticed when I was volunteering in needle exchange was the 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 majority of clients uh, they didn't have anything that marked them as drug users. They looked uh, many of them like just regular businessmen, regular workers. There was nothing mm-hmm. exceptional there. I know. I remember um, a long time ago, I took someone from the New York Times to the needle exchange. He wanted to, you know, interview the the participants in the program and we went down there he was there for a couple of hours and I walked him back to the subway he says you know they were different from what I thought I said what did you think they were going to be like he says I thought it'd be more spacey um but no it's uh you know most you, you can't often uh, we, we again we had these images of what uh, a, a junkie or drug user is supposed to be like and uh, most people don't fit that description um, as I say, we, we we focus on the most visible aspects of problematic drug use and apply that to the whole. Okay, I want to ask this. Let me think of how to phrase it correctly. Do you think that stigma, that society, the fact that society stigmatizes drug users makes it difficult for society to change in a positive way? I think so. Um, you know, we, what we were saying before is, is we look at other stigmatized classes. You know, you you look at you look at a society that stigmatizes people for their religious beliefs, or you know, you look at um, the way uh, African Americans were you know looked upon in this country as less than. You know, when you have a culture and a society that separates out its own people from each other, you know, that can't be healthy for the whole, you know, for the whole community or the whole society. It just can't be. And drug users fall into that. You know, we have the the most amount of incarcerated people in the world, you know, per head of population. We, we vastly outstrip Russia. You know, what the, amount, the equivalent of what we have in our prisons here is the equivalent of what they... Soviets, we have more people here than what the Soviets had in the gulags, you know, and we, we don't look at it that way. We look at how repressive the Soviet Union was, and yet, you know, we have more people under lockdown than they did. And when you have taken a whole, and a lot of them are there for the, their drug use and, you know, their drug histories, and predominantly people of color. So when you put that kind of brand on people, when you put people in cages for long periods of time, um, that that's that's a denigration of our own society. You know that is, you know, that's not a mark of a civilized culture. It's just it's just not. And so I I do think that you know, and like I said at the beginning of our conversation, I I believe the war on drugs is an exercise in stigma, and mass incarceration is a result of the war on drugs. And uh, it's not an unintended consequence. It's a deliberate consequence of what we do. Those people in prison, for, um, you know, they were by the judicial system. That's why they're in prison. It's very, very deliberate. It's not accidental. Do you think that we will uh, ever see a drug user's pride movement like we saw a gay pride movement? I wonder about that. 
you know, because we do talk a lot about drug user organizing and self-advocacy, you know, the, the, the enormous changes in the medical system that was brought about through, um, you know, gay men doing self-advocacy around AIDS, you know, through ACT UP and, and you know, groups like ACT UP. Um, that, that, I mean, that changed the whole medical system. But I don't know that um, drug use isn't an identity in the same way that, you know, as gender is or the women's movement or sexuality is and gay rights. So I think it's a trickier thing. You know, uh, drug and alcohol use can be transitional. Um, it's not necessarily always a, um, you know, something that stays with you. You, you, move, for, you move through it, you, you stay with it, you come back to it. Um, it's, a, it's a different kind of identity. So I think what we, what we can have is it's, it's sort of, it's, in, in many ways, it's a, about social justice. So if we can begin to look at the links between social injustice that's applied to people who use drugs or have alcohol dependence or, um, you know, or the such, if we begin to look at it and how it links into um, the way that the war on drugs and, and the treatment industry is wrapped up with the criminal justice system, and we look at the way that's divided communities and affects economics, you know, then we can have... Um, you know, a, a positive response from people with histories of drug use. You know what? And stigmatizing there too. You know um, that you know that drug users are not are thought of and as deviants, and that internalized stigma means they're not proud to be drug users. And so it's it's hard to um, it's hard to operate under those circumstances. And I think that's why drug users remain stigmatized like this or so adversely affected by society because we are so stigmatized, so marginalized. Uh, I think it's possible, but it would be different from the way that uh, gay liberation, women's rights, or the civil rights movement um, propelled itself. Well, there is some precedent if we look at the time of alcohol prohibition where we had wets versus dries, and people who were wet that believed in their right to drink were very proud of being wet. Yeah, you know what? I mean, I tend to, because I work with, um, you know, people who smoke crack or inject drugs, I tend not to think about the marijuana movement. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I think that the marijuana movement is much more akin to the anti-prohibitionists. Um, I think there's, you know, people who smoke marijuana uh, and all the culture that goes around that are, are much more like um, people who, you know, who drink alcohol and uh, when you had wet and dry counties and cities and whatever. Uh, so I think the analogy is there for that. And certainly in terms of a drug user movement, the um, marijuana reform movement is, is much more uh, advanced probably than... Uh, people who want to who celebrate the use of heroin or cocaine or whatever. I guess we had the cocaine seventies and eighties, didn't we? Yeah, I think we did. When it yes. was when it was a mark of uh, sophistication or whatever, and people were proud to uh, snort and smoke coke. But I think what? you're right. It is it is akin to you know, uh, 
prohibition. You know, you look at California uh, or, you know, Oregon or some other places that have more liberal access to marijuana. There's, there's you know, the, the sky didn't open up and we didn't all crash and people were quite proud of the fact that uh, there's a lot, there's, it's easier access to marijuana there than other parts of the country. What are some things that uh, you and I and our listeners out there can do to reduce or to combat the stigma surrounding drug use and drug users? Um, I think, like I say, it's it's not not being knee-jerk in our reaction to drug use, and I think we have to, you know, we have to also acknowledge that um, there's that people do have problems with drugs. You know that uh, there's there's not always healthy for people, and that we they want to stop, we want them to stop, we want them to get healthy, um, we want them to change their relationship to drugs, so that people do get involved in criminal acts to fuel their uh, drugs, and, and which is what makes this all tricky. But yeah, it's like that that you know just because someone has is a drug user. You know, doesn't mean that um, they're any less, any less loving, any less trustworthy, any any less uh, of a human being than the rest of us. So I think that that non-judgmental piece. Uh, I think you know, having an open mind about the some of the drug policy form that uh, I suppose. You know, it's um, you, I th- I find this. I don't know if you find this, but. Uh, for example, I was talking to uh, someone, a teacher in a class that I go to. Um, she has a couple of friends. I mean, it's, a, it's just a couple of friends who've got uh, into trouble with heroin and um, pills. And I was talking to her about how we can, you know, educate them around um, preventing a drug overdose and a tragedy there. And she said, you know, she she just, she actually said, as far as she was concerned, all junkies could die until it was her friends. And then she it began to she began to realize that, you know, it's not those people over there, it's it's all of us. And now she's really grateful for the notion that um there's harm reduction organizations that can give them Narcan and teach them how to, you know, prevent a drug overdose. Um so I think the thing to remember is it's not them, it's us. Uh, we are the the drug users, and the, you know it's it's you know they're not aliens. That's the thing, and um, you know go yeah. You know, no, not answering the question here, but you see that with when you open up drug treatment programs or shelters or needle exchange programs, that the community believes you're going to alter the shape of the community in a negative way by bringing those people into the community. Well, you know, when I opened up the new exchange program, those people all in the community, they were of the community. Um, you know, and it's, you'd listen to people talk and you just, you, you couldn't believe that if you were from another planet listening to this, you would think that they were talking about people who weren't even human. You know, they were going to stream in um, and invade the, you know, the neighborhood. So, you know, and I, I think that people want once they begin to recognize that um, you know, the people we're working with are the, you know, their, their relatives and friends, uh, it certainly goes a long way to reducing some of that stigma, I think. 
Yeah, I wish I could. Uh, I wish I could take everyone through a needle exchange just to show you know who the clients are that come through, and they would see. Well, there's all these normal people coming through. I thought they were going to be, you know, the way that my stereotypical imagination had projected them to be, and they're not. They're just like everybody else. Yeah, I think that's true. And and the other thing is, even when people are sort of not quite like us, they're down on their luck, uh, or they've gone a bit further down than, you know, than most of us, then you listen to the stories, and they're, uh, they're powerful stories. Um, you know, there's all sorts of uh, forces at play here. I, yeah, I agree with you. I wish um, we could get everyone to see what happens at uh, a program, at a harm reduction center or a needle exchange program. You know, we try to get politicians to come and visit because, you know, they begin to change their minds about, you know, the, the, what they say. You know, even the very basic thing, we, you and I say needle exchange, and really... We're talking in shorthand. Um, yeah, needles change hands. You know, people bring in used syringes and they go back out with... Are you there? I, I think I've lost... Uh... Signal. Well, it looks like we've lost the signal for the show. Um, I'm going to end this episode early. We're very happy that uh, Alan Clear was able to be here to uh, tell us about, uh, to talk to us about stigma and address these issues. Um, we seem to have lost the signal here completely, and I'm going to close the show. Uh, so come back for our next episode, and thank you, everyone, for being here. <laughs>